Welcome to Project Recovery. I'm Dr. Matt Woolley, and uh, our good buddy Casey Scott is not with us today. Isn't that right, Josh? Yeah, we don't know. No, we he just didn't show. No, that's not true. Actually, he's actually off with another one of our friends and former guests on the show. uh, A person that most of you know, Alema Harrington, is running his sixth annual recovery golf classic down at uh, Thanksgiving Point. There, uh, I have a little text here from Casey. He said there are about 170 addicts playing golf today down in Thanksgiving Point. He said there's lots of tattoos, vapes, and energy drinks, but no alcohol or hard drugs. I don't know about vapes. I throw that in there. That's a drug, but whatever. No one listens to me on nicotine. Uh, but that's awesome. And uh, thanks to Alema for all he does in our community and putting on his uh, his golf uh, tournament one more time to raise money for addiction and recovery. And we'll look forward to having Casey back with us next week. Uh, so it's just me and Josh, and I am so excited about our guest today. Uh, Henry Amar is a guy I just met a week ago today, and we'll talk a little bit about that. He and I uh, met doing a little uh, community event last uh, Thursday night. Uh, but before we get to and he's and and another reason that I'm really excited to have Henry on the show is is that he is doing big big things uh, in the community of the world. Mm. And and I love I love what he does, and so I was so excited that he could come in today and make some time to talk with us. But before we get to Henry, I wanted to share the top three meditation practices for people in recovery. So here we go. Now, as all of you know, uh, one of the things I do along with cognitive behavioral therapy is uh, mindfulness and meditation. I get the chance to teach that uh, to groups now and then, certainly use it a lot in my practice Uh especially for anxiety disorders. But what I'm really excited about is the fact that it's becoming more and more part of uh, the recovery process. People are finding that meditation, mindfulness, and those practices that are related to that are very, very helpful. And so now we have uh, some great reasons to to include it in recovery. In fact, as most people know, uh, the general benefits of meditation would be things like reducing stress, um, increasing your focus, reducing anxiety, uh, more creativity, less depression. Uh, I have to admit that uh, when I was in graduate school, uh, Henry, you'll, you'll like this story because uh, it, it shows my progress in life. That uh, when I was in graduate school, we had a guy come in and, and you do these didactic one-day seminars, you know, and he was, uh, he was a, a psychologist from town that was going to teach us about meditation. This is circa 1998, 99, you know, not quite 2000 probably. And I thought, I don't want to hear about that hippie nonsense. Like, I don't want to hear about it, right? I knew the guy was going to show up. He's going to have a ponytail and be wearing Birkenstocks. And sure enough, he had both of those. And uh, and I didn't want to hear about it. I was already had a little chip on my shoulder about psychology and I wanted uh, science. Wanted, And I was studying neuroscience more than clinical science at the time anyway. And uh, and he comes in, and, and I'd like to say I listened well and learned a lot from his seminar, but I didn't. I, w- I was immature, tuned him out, and did other things during his seminar, and I'm embarrassed to this day that I was I was that immature. Then I get a, I, I come to Utah, uh, I get working at the University of Utah, and I'm a clinical professor, so I'm doing some academics along with clinical work. And I keep seeing these articles in neuroscience journals, real journals, medical journals, 
of the benefits of meditation and how the new functional MRI capabilities are showing that prefrontal cortex density increases. Now, that doesn't mean we're growing new brain cells, but it does mean that we're myelinating and making brain cell connections, pathways. Everybody here knows that term now, neuropathways. And it's in the part of the brain where we focus, where we concentrate, judgment, reason, foresight, problem solving, emotional control and regulation, all that high order human stuff. And it's so it's essentially the same as if, you know, like if we went with Josh, he's got these big guns over here that didn't used to be so big four years ago. He's been working on them and the density of those things. It's because he's working them out. Right. Look at those arms. They're beautiful. Um, and that's the same thing that happens in a prefrontal cortex of our brain when we meditate. And so I thought, well, that's got to be a fluke. And article after article was come where they were coming out. And I finally decided to humble myself a little bit and went and got trained in transcendental meditation. Mm. I thought, well, let's do what the Maharashi does. Let's go all the way. And uh, sure enough, it's still a practice that I use today. And I'm so glad that I overcame my uh, resistance to something like that. So if you're a listener and you're thinking, boy, that's hippie nonsense, just follow my lead and listen <laughs> up. So let's talk about it real quick. Uh, actually, specifically, what they're finding in substance abuse recovery is uh, people not only have a, more, a higher reported sense of well-being, but they've actually measured that people who do regular mindfulness and meditation while they're in recovery, it reduces the rate of relapse. Um, and that's, that's impressive. So the first one is just breathing meditation. It's very simple breathing. To, I always tell my patients breathing to stay alive. We don't need to practice that. We got that down. Body takes care of that for us. Breathing to relax mm -hmm. and to be centered. We do need to practice. And the reason for that is like right now, I'm not breathing with all my lung capacity. My oxygen levels are less than they could be. But if we were to stop and take a really slow, deep breath, in through our nose and hold it and out through our mouth, fill our capacity all the way up. We're increasing uh, and having a full oxygen exchange uh, in our body. And that in turn slows down our heartbeat. And when our heart rate stabilizes and comes down, then it turns off those adrenaline glands. We're here doing a show today. So our adrenaline's a little bit higher because we're excited. But if we were to sit and meditate, that would bring that adrenaline down, dry up the cortisol, relax our muscles and your brain is able to focus. So a simple way to do that, if you wanted to practice this at home, you could take two minutes a day. This is what I tell my patients. Just start with two minutes once or twice a day where you sit in private, close your eyes, and take your time and do, uh, sometimes they call it box breathing or four-count breathing, where you breathe in and count to four. One, two, three, four. Hold it. And then you breathe out nice and slowly and exhale all the way. And then in between breaths, don't go right into the next one. Just sit and focus on your body. Notice how it feels, the relaxation that you have. Usually you first feel it in kind of your neck and shoulders, maybe your arms then your chest and eventually your stomach. And, you, you know, take five or six breaths, take a couple of minutes. And if you did that every day for a week, I would be flabbergasted if you didn't agree that you feel more calm, focused, able to handle problems easier. Uh, the next one is moving meditation because the first one, the breathing, a lot of people are not people who like to sit down. So moving meditation is a way to uh, kind of focus while we're, our body's actually moving. One of those formal practices that everybody knows about is yoga. So you can come in and people ask me, is yoga the same as meditation? And I'll say, well, 
yoga includes meditation, right? So it's a very meditative practice. Um, it can increase your ability to stay with your mo- your meditation longer if you're somebody who likes to move. I, I really prefer transcendental meditation where I'm sitting still, but then I, pref- I, I sit still professionally you know, for hours at a time every day. So maybe I'm good at that. I don't know. But uh, other places here in the state of Utah that people, my dad doesn't even know this. This is a secret. So if you know my dad, don't don't tell him I busted his secret out. But being in the great outdoors, hiking in the mountains, which a lot of people do here in Utah, people will describe why they like. I'll ask them, why do you like hiking? I'll say to my dad, why do you like hiking? Why do you like fishing? Why do you like being in the great outdoors? And he doesn't know it, but what he's describing is he's getting into a meditative state. So those of you who are listening and you're a, a real outdoor lover here in the state of Utah uh, or anywhere, you know that uh, that you get into this calm, focused, peaceful mindset, and that comes from the active meditation. And the last one is just mindfulness. And mindfulness is I also a sort of an active type of meditation where a person will learn to focus in intently on different activities that they're doing throughout the day. It could be a visual thing. I did a, a mindfulness retreat uh, once up here at uh, Red Butte Gardens at, uh, by the University of Utah, and it was an eight-week deal. And one of the things we did each week was we would walk around the garden and choose a plant or a flower, and we would spend several minutes just intently studying trying to bring all of our visual focus in to what I was seeing. And uh, a simple example of that you could do right now if you're listening is probably there's a pine tree out your window somewhere. You can look out the window and, and I would say, what color is a pine tree? And you, you would say green. But then if I were to say, okay, let's mindfully study that pine tree. Let's calm our breathing down and focus in. What are the colors? What are the textures? It's surprising the array of colors in a pine tree all different shades of green and yellow and brown and even lighter colors perhaps like white are in there and the texture, you know, of the bark and the needles and just something as simple as a pine tree that we take for granted and when we were kids we just colored them green with a with a brown uh, uh, wood. What, what do you call the middle of a tree? Bark? Is that bark? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Stump. Well, that's if we cut it down. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so mindfulness moving meditation and breathing meditation. So I, I feel like we covered the spectrum there. If you don't, if you don't think you like meditation, uh, you have a few other options. Um, and what I'm doing is I'm going to throw out a challenge to our listeners. We have great interaction on Facebook, um, and we really appreciate everybody's participation and, and Josh for making these great posts every week about our show. And what I'd love to do is challenge several of our listeners who are in recovery who have used meditation or mindfulness or would, because of this episode, start using meditation and mindfulness and go on there and give us some feedback on what your experience with mindfulness or meditation or yoga, any of those mindful practices, if, if you feel like it's already helped you or if you're just starting and you feel like it is helping you, uh, give us a little uh, feedback on Facebook. And then I'd like in a month or two to bring a group of people several listeners uh, who have participated that way onto the show if they want to come on and come on and talk about their experience with mindfulness and meditation. So if you want to if you want to be on the show or if you'd at least be willing to participate, uh, I think that would be a lot of fun and uh, definitely beneficial 
Uh, currently, I'm working on a new certification in what's called mindfulness-based stress reduction and uh, looking to you know include that more and more in what I do professionally and personally every day. So um, normally we take a break here, but I think we're just going to kind of keep rolling on because I'm so excited to have Henry Amar on the show. And uh, like uh, we met last, it's been a week. Yep. Our friendship is one week old one week today. Old. Happy one yeah, week, Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Should have got you something. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had this cool experience. Um, uh, Mill Creek City, they're now a city, incorporated there uh, in, in Salt Lake. Mill Creek puts on a monthly, um, I guess, Biz, like community mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the best way to say that, where they've tackled lots of big political and social topics uh, every month. I didn't know they did this because I don't live in that community, but I have a lot of friends that live in that area, and it's pretty neat. It's very, very cool what they do, and they, they have uh, – it's open to the community down at City Hall, Super and they cool. bring a panel of uh, experts – or influential people on and to talk about different things. And you and I got invited. Uh, tell everybody why we were invited last yeah, last thank, week. Thanks for having me on here. And hello, everybody. Um, yeah, I, I got a call from our, our mutual friend, Michael. He's like, did mm-hmm. you got us on this panel? These guys are amazing. And he actually said something really cool about you specifically. He's like, yeah, Matt saved lives, man. This I've heard so many good things about him. And I was like, I want to meet this guy, Matt, you oh, know? that's nice. And when you walked in, I didn't know it was you. And he just kind of said hi. But it was really cool to see what the impact you've had. And so thank you for the impact that you've had on the community and on, on this, you know, just anybody that you've encountered. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so we, we got invited to do it and, you know, um, I, my path has been a little bit different, you know, but well, I that was what was great is the four panelists. We yeah. all had very different, so different backgrounds, yeah. but we're all sort of working in social yeah. and mental health. Yeah. And that's what was beautiful about it is we all had this, like, it's like it's like a team where one person is a quarterback, one person is a receiver. It's like everybody is different, and it's all required, I think, yeah. for what is needed in the world. Definitely, and I think that that just goes to show. Um, you know, I always say we weren't created differently to be put in a box, right? I, I just want to enhance who I am so I could influence the people that I influence in my life. Because you know, you'll learn I'm I, in the music space, in the entertainment industry space, in the pop culture world, but also in the mental health side. Like these two worlds, I'm obsessed with. And my calling in life or whatever you want to call it feels a little different because my pathway has been different, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you to come on and talk about that is to give a different perspective. I would say the way I work in the community is very traditional and a little boring. I work with children and adolescents and I try to make it fun, but it's it's the traditional model of you know, you come in and you get some help and you have have the benefit of being able to sort of meet people through other areas of life, mm-hmm. art, entertainment. Uh, and so I guess we would, so I, you know, they introduced me as a psychologist, They, but your title is much longer and broader. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a behavior, what would we, a human behavior specialist, mm-hmm. as well as, uh, uh, in, would you it, it just say it's like an impact entrepreneur. I love go. to create things that create impact. Like anything I touch or create, I'm an, you know, whether it's a song or whether it's a business or whether it's an event or a festival or a campaign, you know, how can we create impact with whatever we create? My favorite thing you called yourself was a creative. And I think that is so true. Like we need creative people. And in fact, I think psychology underutilizes that aspect of, mm-hmm. of human, the human condition is how can we use 
um, you know, creativity Mm -hmm. to connect with other people. Yeah. You know, it's crazy for me as I think about this. And even if you're listening like or watching, thinking about, aren't we all creators? We just, you know, just cause I create a song, like this is what actually, you know, and it might lead into this part of the podcast, but there was a part of my life where I realized I don't want to just live to survive. I want to live to create. I want to create my life. I want to be intentional with how I live. You talked about mindfulness. You know, if we're not really mindful, we're just running on autopilot. And what's autopilot? It's the patterns that we already run. It's mm-hmm. things in the past, whatever that is. And I'm like, man, I don't want to just, I don't want to just go day to day checking off the boxes. I want to like create my life. I want to create what how it feels in my house. I want to create how I feel inside. And of course, there's a lot of layers to that and healing and growth and you know about how do you remember about how old you were when you had that realization yeah you know i i always hated feeling caged like growing up i was my nickname was passive i was hyper insecure like i never wanted to say what i felt because i cared what people thought about um and i just felt like you know you put a smile on your face but deep inside you feel anxious you feel insecure mm-hmm. you feel all these things and everyone's like oh henry's smiling all the time in my head i'm like you have no idea what i'm really feeling on the I inside think a lot of people feel yeah. that way Totally. And, you know, as a teenager, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, you just kind of go through life and you try to like put on this front. And it, it got to the point where it just felt so overwhelming for me. And I would do different things to like, quote unquote, um, give me courage or strength or cope with things. And we'll talk about that. But I was 17 years old and my cousin put a book in front of me. And it's it's a book you never would think a seven year old would would read, but I literally my cousin's like, dude, trust me, you got to read this. He's older than me, and I'm flipping through it. It was a Doctor Phil book, you know, oh, which Dr. is really Phil, funny. All right, I'm like, first of all, and I was like a you know not a Doctor Phil type of teenager, you know, and so <laughs> are well, there Doctor Phil teenagers? Yeah, That's a little yeah, weird. I don't. Yeah, it's true. Running around with or their mustaches maybe we'll be, and stuff. Maybe like on his show, not yeah. like uh, you know reading him or something. And he was asking questions at the end of this chapter, and it was like talking about life and asking questions. And I was like, huh, I wonder what I would answer for those questions. And then the question came to me was, can I change? Is how I am now how I'm always going to be? And that question planted a seed in my heart. I was like, no, if I can develop confidence, I want to figure that out. If I can develop inner freedom, I want to figure that out because freedom is a big value to me. Truth is a big value to me. And there was, there was a moment that like sparked this movement inside of me. And I literally got obsessed. I was like, I'm going to discover this. And I was so scared to like ask people questions, but I, the pain where of where I was, I had reached a threshold, but I didn't care. I just, I wanted out of it. I wanted to be free. I wanted to, to feel good in life. And I think a lot of times teenagers feel kind of, um, caged. Yeah. But if you add a layer of anxiety to that oh, and, not knowing how to be yourself. Yeah. It's a very pain, like you use the word painful. And yeah. I, I talk to teens every day. Uh, I think it is, a, that's a very good way to describe it. But it sounds like this book got you thinking yeah. about maybe I can break out of that. Yeah, 100%. And then the, 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 I think that the fun part about the journey for me was it's almost like when I tasted a little bit of freedom that it was possible. I realized, oh man, I have to have this. And I, I, I don't know who said this, but they said there's four things you need to go forward and chase after something. They said, first, you need to have hope that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, Then you need to believe that there's a way to get there. Mm-hmm. And then you need to believe that you can actually take that way there. And then you need to believe that it's worth it. 
Okay. Yeah. You know? And so if I don't believe something's possible, I'm not going to go after it. If I don't think there's a way to get there, I'm like, ah, well, what's the point? Sure. Or if there's a way to get there and I can't really get there, I'm not going to really attempt it. And is it really worth the effort? Because as we all know in, in life, or if you're listening, you know, to go after something, especially if it's something is a little bit more difficult or it's outside of the realm of what I'm used to or conditioned to, I'm going to have resistance. I'm going to have, you know, some obstacles that show up and is it worth it? And for me, the answer was yes, 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 yes. There's got it. And then I had to really navigate the middle two. Is there a way to get there? Can I get there? And I just saw the evidence. I was like, are there people that were in my shoes that are not in my shoes anymore? And the answer was a clear yes. Of course. Yeah. You know, and I was like, well, if they've done it, then I'm going to figure out how the freaking heck I'm going to do it. You know? Well, what I like about that is, um, uh, is the, the second, you know, number two, three, and four there on your list sort of create, I think, a feedback loop to number one, which yeah. was the hope. Yeah. And if you can find a way to do things and you believe you can do it, then you, you become more and more hopeful. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think there's a model I can remember in my head. There's a, a research psychologist named C.R. Snyder, who is kind of the guru of hope. And he, he passed away not too long ago, but his research is phenomenal if you're interested in reading that. Yeah. But I love the fact that you also pulled out kind of uh, – so I always wanted advice as a kid. I don't know why. I was a weird kid. I always wanted like advice. And I don't think I, the adults in my life directly gave me advice very often. So I think when I got it, I, I, I held on to it. And, and what you said is something very similar to what my grandpa said. My grandpa had been a pilot in World War II. But when I knew him, he was just this cute little old guy who wore his little driving cap and drove a Chrysler, you know, very carefully. But he'd been one of those uh, prop plane, you know, fighter pilots in wow. World War II. And I remember he said one time, I don't remember the context of it, but he said, you know, if somebody else can do it, I can do it mm -hmm. as long as I want it. Love that. And I, I remember thinking, like, I wonder if that's kind of how he lived his life, you know. And I, I, I've always believed in that statement. Yeah. That's it's it's so simple, but it's true. It's like sometimes the simple things are harder to grasp onto because we hear them so much. But the reality is, if someone isn't, it wasn't that particular place you were in. And I know sometimes we're like, oh, but it's different for me. Life doesn't do this for me. I was like, you know what? Um, I have this phrase, and I decided it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. If I stick to something long enough, and if I try. I will go in every corner of the freaking world to discover what I really want because this is going to benefit literally every other area of my life. The more confident I am, the more I'm going to impact the world the way I want to and the more I'll be able to have success or whatever you want, the more inner freedom I get. And so I started stacking on the benefits of me doing it, making it worth it and being honest about the pain of not doing it. Of And I was like, you know what? That's a good one. Yeah. And I was like, I... I made it from a want, it's like, this is a must for me. Like I have to do it. So I have this phrase. I was like, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And I, and I just was like, I have to do it. I have to get back to my agency and use my will that, which is the only thing I really have to do is to choose. And I decided, and it sounds funny, but choose to be the chooser of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, inevitability. Yeah. That's the word I'm, that's coming yeah. to my mind is I, I think that when a person believes that something is inevitable, mm -hmm. then it is not a matter of if, but when, yeah. because it will happen. So let's go back to being 17. You had your Dr. Phil epiphany. Yeah. I'm going to label it. <laughs> and, uh, and you start kind of branching out. 
Do you remember, like, uh, is that when you got into being a musician? Is that when you got into music? Same time, yeah. It was, it was concurrently. Funny enough, I was in a boy band for, for a hot second. Awesome. So, <laughs> I know. It's it's a very interesting pathway. And, and you grew up in? LA. LA Los Angeles, so yeah. Boy band central. Boy band central. Right. I mean, music industry central. I just loved harmonies. But we work with like I don't know if you guys know Destiny's Child, like Beyonce's old singing group. Yeah, I think they were they were fairly popular. Yeah, they were popular yeah. back in the day. So we were working with like their producers, so we were like kinda boy band, but kinda like pop R and B. We had this like mixed cool vocal group. And um it was a crazy time for me because here I was chasing this dream you have to sing and to perform, and then I'm growing and I had this really interesting experience where I kind of became this like mad scientist in a sense where I was like, I'm going to test all these principles out. If something works for me, I'm going to try it with a few other people. If it works, I'm just going to start sharing it because I'm like, I don't want people to feel whatever I, that sucked. That anxiety yeah. and insecurity. Yeah. That anxiety and insecurity, that the feeling trapped, feeling caged, feeling like inauthentic. And you know, I think, and, and I'm sure a lot of people listening will, will uh, relate to this. There's also a sense of like not understanding even my feelings. Like, my feelings would swing left and swing right. And, um, and so there were so many moving parts that I was like, I don't want to get caught up in being a puppet to the outside world. I wanted to cut the strings. And then as soon as you like, it's almost like the matrix. Like as soon as you start realizing, well, there's freedom available out of like love, you're like, dude, I want to share this with other people because where I was and where I am now, I, I truly believe Matt, seriously, if people can plug themselves into my brain, and see if it's possible for me with all the crap in my life, the, 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 the depth of like programming that I had with where I was to where I was now going from passive to being really fortunate to speak on stages in front of 40,000 people for the last five years going like, Whoa, if that guy can do it, if little Henry, I look at little Henry, I call him little Henry. <laughs> if that guy can do it, yeah, I really believe it's possible. And yeah, so it's, well, I'm going to jump in though, because like what I'm picturing is, you know, you're a, you're a teen, you're a young adult, you're in this world, you're working with real producers, you're trying to, you know, make it big in the music industry. Isn't there a lot of pressure to sort of not break? Like, like on the one hand, it's that teenage dilemma of I want to be a unique individual, but in the same way everybody else is. A hundred percent. And so, so like <laughs> you're there and you're like, if I'm too outside the box, mm. maybe maybe Beyonce's producer won't want to work with me mm. anymore, or yeah. maybe the sound or the the style or the creativity will be something that people reject. We can't all be David Bowie and reinvent ourselves a hundred <laughs> times, right? So, like, how did you gain the courage to? To, to express yourself? Man, that's a really great question. I didn't right away. It was incremental for me. Um, there was a, a period of time in my life where you, you just kind of conform to what you think you're supposed to do and what the, the checkbox says. You know, even, I mean, it's funny, and it's fun, and maybe I've never thought of this until now, even in like the, su- the group setting when you're a singer, you always had the rebellious one. You always had the pretty boy. Right, that was yeah. the boy band yeah, essential, the boy band right? Essential, you had to yeah. have all the different all personalities. The, and, and I was the rebel. Like, I was all the right. one where like, my eyebrow was pierced, my ears were pierced. I was like the one that was like, you know, a little bit more edgy. So it gave me the edge to be a little bit more of who I was, but I still felt like, and it's funny because the, my last, the last time I got drunk was my 21st birthday. Okay. I went backwards. I partied my freaking <laughs> butt off before until then. Until you were 21. Until I was 21. And I went backwards. Um, but even, even my decision to say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to choose to stop doing this. And it was, a, it was a process for me. It was a whole thing for me. 
that was different than what everybody was doing. So it wasn't, it was interesting because the difference wasn't going out and quote unquote rebelling with what society would say because partying and doing all that stuff. The difference in that space was me deciding to go clean so up my life a little bit. Sort of more. like the straight edge kids from the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, I'm going counter, counter, counter to counter culture. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right. And so, but I, I'm really glad I started diving into this work here of my inner work because I, if I didn't look inward and I didn't start taking charge of my own life the way that I, I really felt, um, I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. You know, I, I think I would have, and I didn't like it would teeter, like you go this much and you go back, but there was, there's a point in my life where like, I don't know what the tipping point exactly was. Um, it was just like, I, what am I, well, my grandmother had passed away. She was like my mom to me. I remember looking like, what is life? What do I really want to say? What do I really want to say when it's my time? I've had a couple of those moments in my life and it made me just ask even more real questions to myself. And I was just like, who are you? And, and is this, is this your highest value? And if freedom is my highest value. I was like, I want to figure out a way to be the most free and the the best version of myself. And there was a moment, but it was hard. I think losing influential people in our life, usually family members, um, it can make a person shut down and sort of um, go the opposite direction of insight. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like for you, and and of course it is a common experience, that it made you reevaluate and use the word meaning. Yeah. Like, like, uh, it sounds like you wanted your life to be meaningful. Yeah. You know, one big moment like that, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and, um, and my mom was, she was my best friend, everything, like everything to me. And it was hard to watch her, you know, get to 70 pounds and, you know, just having to take care of her in ways that I never thought I would have to. And the day she passed away, I was holding her hand and it was, it was, it was a, sad, all the emotions come out, sad, angry, sacred, peace. She wasn't suffering anymore. And I remember looking at her and I had this pause and I call it the sacred pause. I I paused and I said, Henry, whatever decision you make right now will affect you for the rest of your life. Mm. And I looked at her and, and it, this quick metaphor popped in my head and it's so, it sounds so silly at a moment like that, but I'd heard it. And for some reason, it had a profound effect on me. It was the metaphor of the carrot, the egg, and the tea bag. And they said, imagine three pots of boiling water. You put a carrot in one, an egg in another, and a tea bag in the third one. And after about 10 minutes, you take out the carrot. And what happens to it? It withers away. It's soft. You pick up the egg. What happens to it? It's hard. Mm-hmm. Well, you pick up a tea bag. What happens to it? The best characteristics of that tea bag went into the water. It smells good. It tastes good. It looks good. It's, everything is different. And someone said to me, in life, you're going to get to choose when things happen to you. You're either going to be soft and just let yourself just wither away and just go hide. You're going to become hardened and bitter. Every person, every woman is this or everything is that and just become bitter. Or you can let it extract everything from you and let it bring out the best in you, even if it's the boiling water. You're going to be in the water anyway. Which one are you going to choose to be? And transform your environment. And transform your environment. Yeah, exactly. And it was weird because that popped in my head and I, I looked at my mom at that moment and I said, I said it out loud. I said, mom... I will honor your life with how I live mine. Oh, wow. And that decision, I had to make a real decision. And I said, I will honor your life with how I live mine. And it was a hard moment. And I realized in this moment, 
I can pivot this way or this way. And I had to reframe it and say, and, and every day, man, I, I'd strive to honor hers life with how I live mine. It's changed the direction of my life. Oh, that is, thank you for sharing that. That's thank powerful you. stuff. I can tell even uh, all this time later, it's uh, still emotional it's to emotional. talk about. Yeah. And I love that analogy. I haven't heard that one before. Mm-hmm. That is a great analogy because how we respond to the challenges in life, mm-hmm. uh, we do have a choice, don't yeah. we? And I, and you definitely have become the teabag in the oh, sense thanks. that you are transforming your environment mm-hmm. so so well with so many people that you get to influence. Uh, the numbers are staggering of people that you've been able to work with in you know letting your creative uh, self come out. Um, uh, one thing I do say to people a lot is it rains on everybody, and some yeah. people bring umbrellas. <laughs> and it'll be the guy who brings the umbrella, right? And it, and we are going to have challenges. You yeah. know, when you were young, you didn't know you'd sit there with your mom and, mm-hmm. and lose her to cancer. And, right. and we don't know what challenges we're going to have tomorrow or in five years or 10 years. Yeah. So they're unpredictable. Yeah. And I like the idea that uh, you can transform your environment based on how you react to yeah. to those things. So what happens after music? So Man. so so music, <laughs> I guess it did it. It, did you choose to leave it? Did it kind of not pan out the way you hoped? Like, tell us about what happened and then what happened after music. Yeah, music was a really cool run for me. Um, we did all the cool stuff, you know. We got to open up for people on tour and do all the things. And we we had a song on an album that won a Grammy. The album won a Grammy, which was cool. Oh, well, let's, and, like, what's the name of this, this oh, so group? It was, it, was a, it was actually, you know, Gladys Knight. She's like an R&B sure, singer. Yeah. We had a song on a record that she did. Uh, an album she did and her album won a Grammy so by default like I have this cool little shiny certificate oh, I mean that's amazing yeah. well that's great it's, that's it's, big yeah it was it was cool it was I mean you know you're sitting Gladys there, you're Knight like, it doesn't get a whole lot bigger than that yeah she's awesome and she is the real deal man she we first this is funny actually I'll, I'll tell you the story first time we sat down with her um, she turned into like you know loving mom mode she's like listen and sits, looks at all of our guys she goes and she's just going off about the industry and what to expect. And you got to hold on to your values and you guys got to stay true to who you are because it's, there's going to be people trying to take you left and take you right. So it's cool to have someone like yeah. her who you respect so much pull you aside and speak life into you and tell you, hey, listen, like, and, and, it, and like, like a mentor, like, totally. like a mom. Yeah. Right. And who would know more? I mean, she's been in that industry her whole life. Yeah, yeah. She was a little girl. So that was a really cool experience with her. So we got to do that with her. And um, her daughter ended up managing us. And they ended up managing us. And, and they're really cool. We're still in touch. She's amazing. Um, her family's awesome. Her husband's really, really cool. And then, you know, did the, did all the, the, the fun stuff, you know. And then all of a sudden, um, I don't know why this story pops in my head. And when it does, I just have to honor it. I honestly have no idea why I'm sharing this story. But when it does, I just, you know, you got to trust your intuition. Oh, I'm excited. So, <laughs> so yeah. So I, we were at this event and we had the weirdest experience because one show we would perform in like Puerto Rico opening up for these Disney people. And you're like 19,000 little screaming girls. And then we fly to Vegas to open up for, I don't know if you guys remember Naughty by Nature. And oh, like, yeah, of course. And, and oh we go gosh. and we're like, how do we go from one night in Disney and the other night in a Vegas club opening up for like Naughty by Nature and Lil Rob <laughs> and all these other people. <laughs> And it was like the craziest experience for wow. me. But, you know, and then and then we would go in and, and like there was a, a group of they were doing like these opening like, you know, prayers before the show. So I go to this prayer group and I'm, you know, um, 
I don't know why the comedian decided to make fun of me because I walked up and Beyonce was in the circle of Destiny's Child in the circle. And he's wow. like, oh, look, what are the Backstreet Boys here? I was like, oh, no, please don't just. <laughs> and, you know, comedians like to make, they pick one person and they yeah, go, yeah, after they him. go after him. And I was just, you know, smiling and laughing. And I was like, this is really funny and embarrassing. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so I had these really cool experiences. But it was in those moments that I realized the power of influence you could have in music, in 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 entertainment, in pop culture, in this, I'm like, I'm sitting here and with all these people that could literally pick up the mic and say something, and people will listen. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I'm on stage, and I have the microphone, and there's you know tens of thousands of people that are just there, and you could say anything, and they're like, yeah, you yep. know, literally. And it's funny, we tried so many different things, and and sometimes you're so caught up in the moment, you know, um, and so. I realized there's power here and there's, and I developed such a love for people and a diversity for people. And then, um, at some point it was really interesting. There was one guy that was like kind of like an independent in that was kind of like pocketing some money that was transferring over. So the whole project got a little weird and fishy and, um, our band looked, to, looked together and we're like, Hey guys, like, I don't even know where this is going to go. We might end up getting shelved. Um, they probably had over a million dollars worth of value into our project at that point. We had the producers who had features that were on like Diddy's camp and all these people. And then I was like, guys, like they're giving us a 30 day option to send out our contract. I go, I think I'm going to take it, you know? Oh, wow. And, and, and so we did, we, we opted out and I started doing some solo stuff. And then, um, I was always still obsessed with my inner world, the, the, the human behavioral space. I was still doing all those, any seminar I can go to, anything I could read, you know, um, when we would travel, I would go and find a high school and say, dude, I, I wish I knew this in high school. So let me go share it with, with some people. So I'd, sometimes I'd call schools and say, hey, can we're touring with this group. Can I come speak to some people in your school? Just an impromptu uh, motivational. Pop in. Yeah. yeah. Pop in. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, so we'd go in and I realized, wow, there's a lot of good we can do in the world. And I don't know, man. I And I think you relate to this, I'm sure, Matt, and everybody listening when you go through stuff yourself, you know, you know, in my trauma in your house or overcoming, you know, different obstacles in your life, whether it's addiction or insecurity or mental health or depression, whatever that is, when you start going through different things, um, there's a, a deeper sense of compassion that you have when you see people. And I'm like, I have this crazy, fierce passion with me, but I do have an extreme sensitive side when I see people. I, I don't like seeing people suffer. I don't like seeing people struggle with certain things that I'm like, man, there's a way let's just, let's just plug you. How do we help in uh, that started earlier on? Cause I think I, I had experienced so much pain and I didn't want people to experience pain sure. anymore, you know, or help them through it. And so, you know, I deviated, I went into entrepreneurship and, uh, and then went to the university of Southern California and I got into randomly this, um, I went into real estate development and I had a really beautiful, like sexy career. I had the director of investments of a $2 billion company at the ocean view office, wow. the sexy title, all these things. And then I, that's when I started to have a feeling like something doesn't feel right for me here. And I was like, but I'm set for life, you know, but something didn't feel right. Then my mom gets diagnosed with cancer mm. that year. And then I'm sitting in the hospital and now that's when I started really asking questions like, Henry, what are you going to say again? Same questions. Mm -hmm. What do you want to say when it's your time? I'm like, I'm not going to say I just bought a $100 million building for somebody and this is what happened in me, you know? And I was like, no, I want to, I want to be able to look for me, look God in the eyes 
at the end of my life and just say, I put it all back. I gave it all back. All my talents, my gifts, everything I've been studying. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff on the side and I'm still obsessively studying all this stuff and I'm doing workshops on the weekends and doing stuff. And then I had this feeling of, you know what's impactful in the world. You need to merge the pop cultural realm, which you're really dialed in with and you have a lot of connections with, and this human behavioral space in mental health and emotional wellness and all these space, which you also are dialed in with and you're obsessed with and you can't, like, I'm at the gym, my wife's listening to music and I'm listening to like neuroscientists or some <laughs> podcast or some book on mental health or, yeah. you know, experts or whatever, like podcasts like this one. And everything, I'm like, this is 26 years of obsessively mourning. I wake up to it. I go to sleep to it. And I was like, there's obviously that, those, how do I use my resources, my passion, my knowledge, my experience, and bring them together to make the biggest impact? And I realized I was in a unique position to merge the pop culture world with the emotional yeah, wellness and mental health definitely. world. And then I quit my job. You did. I quit my job, and it was crazy. Well, so far in your story, you've quit two major things that I think would be hard for me or most people <laughs> so, to quit. You, yeah. you, you opted out uh, of a, a real contract to, yeah. to be a musician and a, yeah. and a star, and you're rubbing elbows with real real stars, yeah. big, big time. And then now you're a real estate developer, making lots of money, mm -hmm. living the life, and you opted out of that. Yeah. Wow. Dude, you know what was crazy? The day I quit, you know, you send the email out to everybody says, hey, um, I'm, this is my last week here. I just want to tell everybody this is my personal email. You need to do like the, the fancy email to everybody. And I sent it out to all my contacts. And this one guy sends me a message who I became really good friends with. And he owned a multi-billion dollar company, real estate. And he goes, we need to go running. Meet me in Beverly Hills to go for a run. And we're going, he's one of the best human beings I've, I've met in my life. And we're going for a run. He's like, tell me, what, what, what's, what, what the freaking hell is happening? And I'm telling him everything, and he, and then he just he drops an f bomb, and I'm like, wait, he goes, I'm really happy for you, but f, and I was like, wait, what do you mean? He goes, dude, I know you have to do this, and I said, so why are you why are you upset? He goes, I want to offer you a partner position in my company, um, and I want you to run my LA office. Oh. And I'm like, oof. And I would have equity in a multi-billion dollar company that would just grow. And I'm like, and at that Crazy. point I was like, should I just wait a few more years? You know, yeah. maybe I'll just say, but you know, it goes back to, I guess the very beginning when I really asked myself the real questions and I said, what is the real benefit and cost of this? What is the cost of my time? You can never get your time back. You True. can never get, you know, th there's just certain things in life. And I'm like, I could spend the next five years here and yes, I'll make money. I said, but there are lives to impact. There are p things I could develop. There's experiences I will not get over the next five years if I go and do this. And I'm grateful. And maybe some people, it's good. You build a safety net and you go and do this thing. But for me, I just experienced my mother's passing. I had just, and I made her that promise. And I made myself that promise and God that promise, you know, whatever you believe in. And there was a moment where I was like, no, like I, I have to do this. And I said, thank you so much. For the, I, I'm humbled at the offer. I really was. Cause oh, that's a huge compliment. Huge. And I was like, man, I, if anything, you've blessed me today with just letting me know how much you believe in me. You know, because I'm venturing into a whole different space. I'm starting over. Yeah. And I, yes, I know this mental health, like human behavioral side. I feel really, really well because this is what I've been doing for so long. I know the pop culture well, but I've never created a business format. 
I've never eaten food from it, really, over the last so many years. Well, and those don't necessarily go right. easily together, right? <laughs> no. yeah. Not at all. Merging those is a whole nother mm. beast. Yeah. And I don't know that many people that have like fully done it the way that I had. And I had this whole vision. I had this whole vision mapped out. And I was like, okay, 2019, I'm going to be involved in a music festival. And I had this feeling, honestly, I felt like it was a download, like it was a, whatever you want to call it, revelation, download, experience. You know, you have these moments in life. I heard Tony Robbins once say, the word desire means desires of the Father. And what if you just believe that the desires you have in your heart are something bigger than you that are planted in there for you Mm. to move in the direction? And whatever unfolds from that unfolds from it. And I was like, I really have a desire to serve people, to love people, to help people heal and, 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 and just to give back everything that I've experienced and learned. And I just want to be, again, end of my life, put it all on the table. And I just went for it, man. I took a leap. Holy cow. And it was, it was crazy. And so what, what, what did that look like? What, what was, yeah. how did you begin merging these two passions of yours? Dude, way different than I thought it was going to look. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to create this and man, I'm going to create great content. It's going to go viral. We're going to just go big. <laughs> six months later, you know, like that SpongeBob, six months later, <laughs> I'm like 395 followers, 394, probably my friends do me a favor, you know, I'm like posting and everyone's like, cool. And I'm like, dude, I know you and you don't think it's cool, you know? And so there's trying to be nice. Yeah. Huh? yeah thanks for being nice, bro. Like, I appreciate yeah, it. Your aunt's like, you're the <laughs> yeah. best. I like, this is great. You know, I was like, you know, and so you're just like sitting there. And I, I just kept pivoting and pivoting and pivoting. But I, 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 again, it goes back to the belief system of I may not know what I need to know now. I may not be who I need to become. I may not understand this industry, but it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. If I get around the right people, if I understand the right things and gain enough experience, at some point something's going to work. And so I, I started running with it. And then this Did is. Did you ever what, get discouraged? A oh, hundred million percent. I, the craziest discouragement was I had saved up almost a hundred thousand dollars because I was like, I live in LA and that it sounds like a lot, but it lasts you like 12 days in LA probably. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like a yeah. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like one weekend in LA, you know, and I, I saved up this money and I was like, cool. By the time I I'm done with it, I'm going to already establish myself where I am. All of a sudden, like a year and a half later, all these circumstances were happening and you know, this, this and that. I get to a place where I have $300 in my bank account. I'm like, first of all, I'm, I'm living with my friend. I'm staying in his room. I'm using his car. I'm single at the time. I'm like, what am I going to do? Go on a date? Hi, do you want to come sit on my friend's couch and watch his television? You know, like pretty attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and the, and, and, and so I'm sitting there like, man, like this sucks. I, I, I have a business degree from a college I had. And at the time that same incredible guy, my friend, call my brother, he, he had no clue. I didn't tell anybody. Cause sometimes you put on this front, like we're just going to keep going, you know? Yeah. I go to LA and we go to dinner and I order water, you know? And he looks at me and goes, how's business going, man? Same guy. And I was like, it's, you know, it's a startup, you know, like it's, it's yeah. tough and you just keep going. He goes, he goes, Henry, I want you to work for me. Blank check signing bonus. What? Wow. And I'm like, Oh and I felt like, I'm like, Henry, this is your test, man. This is your friggin' test. Yeah. What are you going to do? And, then, and you know, you rationalize, you think, and I was like, I don't want to make a ra- irrational decision. I said, I really appreciate it. I said, let me just think about it tonight. You know? And he's like, you're going to think about it? Because he didn't know. And I was like, yeah. yeah, let me think about it, you know? But everything in my soul was like, Henry, just stay on the path. It's going to flip. Just stay on the path. It's going to flip. 
And I, I called him, and it was one of the hardest things I'd said no I to. Bet. I bet. Because I was like, I, I could literally write a decent check and be fine. And this isn't to be like, oh, I'm so, like, it's like, man, this was a re- it was discouraging. I felt like a loser again. I was like, dude, this is, like, what is happening with my life? Like, a just a year. Yeah. To, to bail on your path. Yeah. And a year and a half ago, I was doing different, you know, like, it's crazy how a year, everything could change. Yeah. You feel secure, you feel great, and all of a sudden something flips on its head. And then, you know, I'd lost my mom. I had been through all this, you know, relationship stuff. I had been through, like, you know, a now career stuff. Now, like, insecure, like, there's not much security in my life. But, man, like, I, I, I kept my eyes on a prize. And one of the most interesting things is when I'd saved that money, um, long story short, I felt like I needed to spend a chunk of it to go to this event and I did. And I was like, this sounds crazy, but I'm going to follow what I feel is right again. And as I'm sitting, I go sit at this breakfast table and there's this event. And this guy across the table looks at me and goes, hey, I heard you're changing people's lives. And I go, oh, that's awesome that you heard that. I go, hope so. That's my my, my mission. I want to I wanna help people. And he goes, that's awesome. And we start chatting for like 30 minutes. And remember, on this sheet that I wrote down was be a part of a music festival in 2019. Right, your your vision. Yeah. Yep. But I, I didn't know anybody at a music festival. I didn't know anybody <laughs> in... Anything. I just like, I had my friends in the music industry, but I had been out of that scene for a while. I was in real estate, but I was like, maybe I'll go and rekindle that. And we're talking for 30 minutes, me and this guy. And I go, he goes, Hey, I want you to email me because we were just talking about mental health stuff and like emotional wellness and books we've read and people we like to follow. And he goes, Email me. I'd love to stay in touch with you. And he tells me his email address. I was like, I was like, Festival? What, what? That's in his email address. He goes, He goes, Yeah. And I go, What do you do? He goes, I run a music festival. And the guy next to me goes, No, 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 no. He doesn't just run a music festival. He runs the best major European music festival. Mm. In my mind, I was like, dude, maybe this is the guy that's like supposed to help me bring this to the world. And the next day, we end up sitting next to each other. And I had written this on the sheet of all the things I wanted to create. And one of it said the description of a music festival that actually creates impact for people's lives. Because I was like, I know it. I know you can create experiences. I know you can create you know, there's a bunch of there's, artists. There's a lot of great festivals out there that create a lot of different experiences. Very right? true. Very yeah. true. <laughs> you know, and I was like, how do we use those experiences and actually in, put goodness? In a good way. Yeah. 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 And, I, and, and, and so I read it to him and he jumps up, he pulls his sleeves up and he has goosebumps. He goes, he goes, look, look at my goosebumps. I know that God put us together. I had the same vision. Wow. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, I, I thought it was like kind of cheesy showing my little sheet of paper. Here's the guy that runs <laughs> nine music festivals, you know? And so a year later, I ended up flying out to Europe to, to see his music festival. And, and on the last day of his festival, he looks at me and goes, he goes, I want you to go up on stage and speak today. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, between Martin Garrix and David Guetta, I want you to go speak. Wow. And I was like, dude, I freaking love those DJs, you know? So I get up and I'm like, okay. And there's like 40,000 plus people in the main stage. And so I get out and we speak and we have a beautiful experience. And that built our relationship. And honestly, at that point, it was really interesting because not just that, but um, I tried launching a podcast and you guys have a podcast. And my first, I was like, oh man, it's going to go great. And like 10 people, four people, <laughs> three people. And then, and you try to ask people to be on your show when you're really small and nobody really wants to be on your show. But it was really interesting because within the span of three months, I had really just kept my eye on the prize, kept moving. I ended up having a few guests on my podcast and some people were like, yeah, I'll be on it. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's a win. It was crazy. My podcast flipped to number one on Apple this one month. I was like, what? And I guess one of them was just going viral in a sense. 
now every you got all the text messages right. people on your podcast. Now all these opportunities are flinging open. Now this music festival thing is happening. Now all these other speaking opportunities are coming up. And so everything had opened up for me. And I was like, man, if I would have threw in the towel three months or four months before that, right. I would have missed out on some really miraculous stuff in my life. I like how you use the word flip. You're saying to yourself, it's going to flip. It's going to flip. Yeah. And that is the feeling. That's the perfect word for the feeling I'm getting in when when that right door opens for a yeah. person, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, just the, the ball rolls and, and it, it flips. Everything yeah. starts to change. Yeah, totally. And and mind you, when it, when, it, when it does flip, you're like, oh, you feel so different. And you almost forget how it felt to suck so bad like a few months before that. Cause it's like, wow, I could actually eat and I could actually afford this and I could, I'm not eating beans out of a can. I'm not doing these things that nobody really knew about. But that's what's so cool about life. And, and it goes back to my passion for agency and choosing is creativity. It's like, I want to create the life of impact, you know? And even if it means, you know, and this is what was crazy. When I was working my job, I, I, had, I had ramped myself into... Um, I promised them I'd finish a project. So I, I'd run myself into like eight months left and I said, I'll finish this project and but I'm out at this date. And I heard this quote that said, if you just spend one hour a day on your passion or one hour a day on anything, within one year, it's 365 hours. Mm-hmm. And if you divide that by a 12 hour day, that's 30, 12 hour days that you're working on mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. And I'm like, if someone told me, Henry, I'm going to give you 30 days straight for 12 hours a day to, to focus on what you want, what could you get done? I was like, dude, I'll get so much done. Right. But I don't think about it in increments of an hour a day or wow, two, hour, like two hours a day. And if you divide it by eight hours a day, just a regular job, it's, it's more than that. It's like 40 or something. I don't know what the number is. But that's for me, I was like, no. Who do I have to know? What do I have to know? And I was just like, man, yeah, I might put in the work now and it might suck now. But when it does flip, when I do get to that that other side, because I've seen other people do it and I, I'm going to make sure I find a way to do it. I'm going to surround myself with people. I'm going to random email mentors. I'm going to find people like Matt to really help me get my mind, my heart, my spirit right when I'm down. I'm going to do these things. And so it was hard. It was discouraging. I know I sound like I'm like, no, you got to freaking just go. But I'm like, if I'm going to go through this, I'm going to grow through it because the common denominator in everything I do is me. And if I can grow and I could be better, then everything in my life is going to get better. And eventually when I get into a relationship, that's going to be worth it because I'm going to be in a better place. When I find success, I'm going to be able to sustain it because I'm a better person. And I'm just like, I just want to work on Henry. And it was hard in moments. I was completely discouraged. I wanted to give up so many times. And I decided, I was like, and Henry, you have to learn to be vulnerable and let people help you. I sucked at receiving. Oh, that is a hard one for most of us. Um, what you're talking about right now is is just awesome because I had, before I came here to the studio today to meet with you and do the show, uh, I had uh, had several therapy patients. And one of them is this young, uh, young man uh, just in his very, very early 20s, kind of with a failure to launch. And wanting to do good things, but overly focused on others. Mm. And we had the conversation about young adult life, late teens, early 20s. That's a time to build your foundation. Yeah, You have to be, it's a hard time in life in many ways because you can't, it's not the same as being selfish. Selfish mm. is completely focused on you. Yeah. So, so to be successful, you are, um, you know, 
reaching out, making connections. Uh, in psychology, we call it a period of individuation. Mm-hmm. But you have to think in terms of, am I also building up myself? Yeah. And I, I love that you're you're saying, like, I if I'm going to go through it, I'm going to grow through it. Yeah. I wish I'd had that cute saying to say to him today. <laughs> I'll get him next time with it. But, like, like I, he really liked that conversation because I think it really resonated with him yeah. that he wasn't building himself up mm-hmm. he wasn't do like you were you're talking about reading and reaching out and asking for mentors to advise and other people to be participating in your personal development mm-hmm. therefore it's if you and i use the house analogy if you have a great strong foundation you right. can do a lot of things on mm-hmm. top of that foundation throughout your, your life you know yeah. you can build a lot of different houses yeah. on a strong foundation if you don't have a strong foundation of course you know, you get what you get. Right. right. And so I love that idea. Now, I'm curious, how has your work with the music festivals, because now this is something you've been doing every year mm. in Europe. How how are you impacting lives in a positive oh, yeah. way? Like, like, how do you I want to hear the outcome of blending your your, your behavioral health knowledge and, and your music uh, abilities and knowledge and connections. How, how does that impact the, the, the festival goer. Man, you know, if I can just say two things to what you said, I, I was writing this like spoken word poem. I was just like, sometimes I just express myself through art. And these words came out of my mouth. I said, it's not selfish to take care of yourself. It's selfish to only take care of yourself or not take care of yourself at all. Oh, I like that. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Because it's funny. You write it and you're like, whoa. It's just yeah. like bigger than me, right? And then... The crazy thing about being in your 20s, I heard someone say this and they said, you could literally try everything and fail for 10 years and you'll only be 30. <laughs> and I'm like, that sounds true because it's like, you know, and we think 30 is like, you know, when you're 30, you think when you're 20, you think 30 is old. When you're 30, right. you think 40. And life is, opens up, man. Like I started over at 36. Yeah. You know, I literally started over at 36 years yeah. old. And so yeah. it's like. And that's the, it, to me, that's the cool part about life is like I can hit a reset. Right? Anybody listening, you could literally make one decision right now and the direction of your life will completely change because of one decision that you make right now. That's Isn't what's that crazy. interesting how people, the older we get, the more they start to say, well, I can't start over now. Yeah. Oh, man. But how many people do? So yeah. many people do. Yeah. Yeah. So many people do. I think most like there's like, I don't know, I don't want to misquote the statistic, but so many huge movements and companies and impact it was happened when people are over their forties or fifties, like oh, sure. older than yeah, that. Because yeah. we did, we grow up and we learn all this stuff when we quote unquote fail, but I, it's a whole different conversation on failure that, that I've learned, but well, yeah. Failure is only a failure if you stop. Right? Yeah. Like, like failures are all learning experiences 100%. and we've all seen the memes that show all the famous people and all their fails yeah. before they became yeah. successful. And, uh, there's a lot of truth. Yeah. There's a lot of truth. It's, it's your perception. Casey and I sometimes talk, I mean, it's a common theme on the show is that, you know, perception determines reality. It's yeah. like how you look at things. I like to say thoughts, feelings, behaviors, yeah. how we look at things, how we think about them influences mm-hmm. how we feel and what we end up doing. Yeah. So if you believe that your failure is uh, because you are worthless and and have nothing to offer, then you're going to stop whatever you're doing. If you look at it as you know what uh, that this is, there's a learning opportunity mm-hmm. here for me to set that will help me keep going. Yeah. Then you will. Then that inevitability pops back in. Totally. And one layer I added to pump myself up, to be honest, like because you know, like what you yeah. tell yourself, you got to pump yourself up works. for sure. I was like, dude, if I fail, it also means I had the courage to go after something. And that means I'm not a failure. I'm courageous. Yeah. 
Oh, and absolutely. I was like, like, I had to flip it for myself. I was like, man, that's dope that I had the courage to go and suck at something so I can get better at it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, and, and yeah, so with the music festival stuff, so do you want me to jump yeah, into that? Okay. let's hear about it. Man, you know, it, it's interesting because even in the music industry and pop culture realm, there's a lot of different avenues. Music festivals are one part of them. And I've been really fortunate to work with the founder of Exit, who is, honestly, he's a revolutionary. He's incredible. He's he's someone that's making a massive difference. What's the name of Exit? Exit Festivals, one of the biggest ones in Europe. They're probably, in my opinion, one of the most influential companies that affects the youth out there because they're so tied into the biggest artists. I mean, you, you whether you have The Cure or Calvin Harris or Martin Garrix or David Guetta or, I mean, the list, Madonna, Red Hot Chili Peppers have been on their stages, everybody, right? And they have like something like 26 stages, I think, at one of the Well, and it sounds like, you know, in Europe we know it's a little bit different music culture in the sense that DJs are also huge stars. Huge. They're getting to be so here as well. Yeah. But but you have you have these festivals where you will have artists and, and acts, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, people we know. But then you, they'll be paired up with these superstar yeah. DJs that are just as big huge. as the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> yeah. in Europe. It's crazy. It's so different, too. Like, because I grew up in the States, in L.A., and I go there, and there's artists. I'm like, this guy is huge, and I don't even know who he is, right. you know? Yeah. It's crazy. And, it, you know, I just, for me, I, I, I love healing and growth and empowerment and all these aspects of um, emotional wellness doesn't all have to be so heavy. We could have a great time and we could we could grow and we could enhance while we're sitting there in community, while we're sitting there having a great time and I could have, I could be inspired and I could continue to be transformed. There, and there's also this interesting openness to, to me it's like even subconsciously when you're at a place and you're 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 around community where you feel safe. There's an artist you really like that you trust, and you're open to hearing what they have to say. And there's this whole energy, and then they say something, and you you create an experience for people around you. It you know we in our lives we we remember moments and experiences. We remember emotional, deeply emotional things are what really stick to to us in our in our mind, in our hearts, in our spirit, in our bodies. So I'm like, wait a minute, like. Even if you think about trauma, right? Trauma is an overwhelming emotional experience that happened when I was younger or now or whenever. I'm like, and usually the the more emotion it is, the more my body retains it. Sure. I'm like, then I can use that same framework and cause a really powerful emotion and embed these beautiful things into people about, you know, who they are or just create a... a, a Swinging to the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Trauma being the negative end mm-hmm. and and wonderful positive experiences yeah. being the other end. Yeah. yeah, totally. And so that's kind of the thing we did. And so we just started, you know, running these ideas and, you know, we saw that, wow, they were receptive. I got on stage, they were really receptive and the founder was like, dude, just come back next year and speak. And they had The Cure perform and I spoke. Um, it was really cool Hanging for me. out with Robert Smith, no big deal. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. so cool. I was like, man, this, these guys are, that's like classic, you know? And, um, and it it was funny because the cure performed at opening ceremonies and then the fireworks. Then he asked me to speak after the fireworks. I was like, no, 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 no. I can't speak after fireworks, man. Yeah. Like, he's like, no, no, trust me. I, I, and he's very in tune. You know, he, first of all, he knows the festival, but he's also like spiritually intuitive. And he's like, no, no, trust me. I just feel it. And I was like, okay, dude, I'll go. We had a really good experience. And so what sort of things did you talk, do you talk about it? You know, that year actually it's perfect for this podcast because that year, um, it was funny. I was like, I have to create an experience. And so I knew I might be back on stage, but I was like, how do I 
I don't just want to go speak because nobody's there to hear a speaker for 10 minutes. So I would weave in experiences here and there, whether it's interactive experiences or music or whatever. But during that one, I had, it was really cool because there's, imagine 40,000 people plus together. It's like a big blop of people, right? a lot of energy. A lot of energy. And I said, hey, and and so we, we had this idea collectively. I was like, so they, I said, get out your phones and flip your phones upside down. And so they did. And we took a drone and flew it as high as we can go. And there was a patch of light on earth oh, that you could see. That's cool. And, and the message was, if each of you shine your light and we come together, we could light up this universe. Nice. So what is your light? What is your purpose? What is your mission individually? And if you just lit yourself up and we all came together, we will literally light up this whole universe. You know, Josh, that's why he's he's a creative and I'm not because I would have talked for 10 minutes and bored everybody and I would have said stuff that was interesting to me. But you took that is such a cool, interactive visual experience that creates the, the, the emotional connection. Like you were able to get that point across and it's a very true point. Uh, nobody ever succeeds in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Anything, any success we have in life is because we connect with other people. Yeah. And when we do it on purpose. Instead of just hoping it happens, yeah. when we make it happen, mm-hmm. we can do amazing and purposeful things. Yeah. But there you go. The creative artist <laughs> does it in a way that all the, the people at that festival, I'm sure, will remember that experience for the rest of their life. It was so cool. Like, to see a patch of light was really cool to see because we're like, I hope it works, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't know how big the iPhone lights are going to be or yeah. whatever. The, their cell phones. But it worked. And it, it, you're right. Like, and those, those are the memories. You're like, wow, remember that thing? And they'll go back and look at that and say, wow, I participated in something that was that cool. Like I was a part of that patch. And I think that any guest that's been on this show in the last four plus years would relate to what you're saying in their own recovery. Mm -hmm. Because uh, while some people might be able to stop a bad habit, if you're an addict, Mm -hmm. you need that community. You need that group. And that's one of the things that uh, Casey likes to say on the show is that there's a million different ways up Sober Mountain. You need to find your way, mm. but that's never alone. It's yeah. never it's never a solitary hike. And whether it's meditation, whether it's twelve steps, whether it's anything, mm. I think that is a wonderful, wonderful experience. And and yeah, hopefully that impacted all those forty thousand people yeah. and Robert Smith and Robert Smith. And he's you know what's funny is actually at that festival. You know how he never really smiles? Yeah. He smiled on stage and someone caught a picture of it and it went viral and like oh. in the newspaper they're like, he actually smiled and we were all like, <laughs> yeah, Man, your and, show. You know, yeah. and, and the festival guy's like, You guys have a great energy at your festivals, you know, so maybe he was feeling good, you know? Because yeah. they really do have a good intention. That's why I align with this particular group, especially the most. Um, not, you know, the most, but like very, very yeah, the most probably, um, being transparent because they really I've never heard him once talk about profit. I've always heard him talk about impact. Impact. And that's like so cool. That I'm with the founder and his team. Always. What can we do for people? What can we do for people? And I respect people like that. And, you know, in, you know, we've, I've, I've been at and worked with other festivals and we're, we're creating a lot of stuff here and we're doing a lot of stuff with the music industry and entertainment industry here. Um, but those experiences where you have those like very sacred moments is pretty powerful, you know? Um, at our uh, little get together last, last week, you talked about using social media positively, and I think I rattled off some negative stats about social media, but I can also tell you that I've had you know, social media, online gaming, things that we worry about influencing our, our mm-hmm. kids negatively. I can tell you from a clinical point of view, I've seen it be tremendously impactful in a positive way. Yeah. I think the potential is there yeah. 
what's your opinion on how to use social media in a positive way, yeah. especially for youth? You know what? If This is a really interesting story. Back when I had 395 followers, right? <laughs> I remember – and I remember I went – I was like, I'm going to go live, you know, I'm going to go live. I'm just going to start talking. And I'm, as I'm speaking live, it was really short. I'm like, I felt like I was literally just going beep, 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 beep. Like, I was like, Henry, this sucks really bad. Just stop talking. You're not feeling it. Get off. And I talked for like, it was really short, three and a half minutes. And you you have the, the option to post it or not when you're done going live. And this was a while back. And um, I, t- I promised myself, I'm just, I'm going to face fears. If I feel insecure about posting, I'm just going to post it. So I posted it and within a few minutes and mind you, I didn't have very many followers, barely anybody showed up on my live and I felt like it was the worst thing I'd ever done. Like literally <laughs> I was like, Henry, that was a joke. And literally I remember telling myself, why am I even a speaker? Like it got that bad. Got it in your head. Yeah. I was like, whoa, what are you even doing? That was sucked. And man, man, I got a, a DM, a direct message, a DM on Instagram. And this guy said, Hey, um, I want you to know, I just got back from school and I saw your live and I was going to take my life, but your live reminded oh. me that my life was important. Thank you. You saved my life today. And he said, you gained a more loyal follower from India, from India. And then, wow. and, and I was like, he's like, thank you so oh. much. And for me, it was like the thing that I thought sucked. The thing that I thought no one was listening. The thing where literally I felt like I did my worst performance. Save someone's life. It didn't matter how I thought I did. It didn't matter how many followers I had. It didn't matter what happened. It just mattered that I showed up. That's powerful. And I, and that taught me one of the biggest lessons in my life, man, because I, I literally told myself after that, I was like, why are you even a speaker, man? That sucked. And, but you did it. Yeah. And, and, and it and, impacted that one person. And, and that's what matters. I think we both work in a world where if we can impact one person positively, it was worth it. Yeah. And so, but that's powerful to show that we may not always see the value in what we bring. And I don't just mean myself as a psychologist or you as, as an entrepreneur and influencer. Uh, I mean, everybody, we don't really know the impact that, because you got that DM and that let you know the impact. He could have still had a positive experience and not sent you the DM and you'd never have known. Yeah. But everybody out there, people really don't understand, like the, their coworkers, their family members, their neighbors, just stopping and saying hi, putting yourself out yeah. there uh, can make an impact. And you know what? You have to accept the fact you'll usually never know yeah. how big your positive impact can be on things that even you, you thought this is the worst thing I've ever done. Yeah. But it was one of the best things you'd ever done. Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, and that goes to anybody listening. Like, if you're still listening to this podcast and you're listening to this podcast as a whole, you care. You care. You wouldn't, if you weren't listening, if you yeah. listening, you care. Yeah. And your story, your drive, your heart, your passion, even a, your, your smile to the cashier, like, all of us can make a difference. Everybody and, and, and the difference that you could make with your unique story and your unique climb up that mountain, you're going to impact people that I will never be able to touch. Nor I. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like each of us has this thing and it's like, and, and this, this, I, 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 t- I told myself an empowering belief and I'm just, I just choose to believe this. I said, 
if I'm in a room, I'm going to choose that I was meant to be in that room to make a difference for a purpose. If, if I cross someone's path, I'm just going to pretend that I can just pour some light into them and also allow people to pour light into you if you need it, which we all do. And I've had to learn to receive for sure. Um, it's funny, I just did a podcast on receiving because I was like, I just had a breakthrough on that myself. And, but I, I, if I assume that I could help someone feel seen, feel seen, that simple, just feel heard, feel understood, feel safe, whatever that is, because I know how it feels when someone sees me. Yeah. I, and even though I might quote unquote be seen by all these people on social media, but when someone really sees me, and, and, and sees my past the facade and says, Hey, how are, like, how are you doing? Or, Hey, smiles at me, whatever. But I could feel that genuine intention. Mm-hmm. It, it changes me for sure in that moment to moment. And so I, I, it goes back to that light analogy. If each of us just light mm-hmm. our lights up wherever we are mm-hmm. and just choose to be that burst of wherever we are, man, we each can light up this universe hundred percent. Makes a huge impact. Well, we live in a state where mental health statistics are not always that great. We have great physical health in Utah, but we struggle a lot with depression, suicide. It is higher here, and there are reasons for that. Um, one of the things we talked about last week is there aren't enough mental health workers to meet the need, but that's if we narrowly define what a mental health worker is, right? Right. I'm a mental health worker. I have a degree in that, but everybody has the capacity to lift and bolster other people's mental and emotional health yeah. by just turning their light on, being that person yeah. who genuinely says, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, or it's good to see you today. Yeah. Sometimes, and I get the privilege of talking so personally with people who will sometimes come in and say to me what that person in India said to you, that uh, somebody showed some interest in me and that made my suicidal thoughts shut off for the day. Yeah. And that's that's more powerful than can be measured. Yeah. Well, Henry, thank you so much for it's, coming on the show today. Uh, you exude enthusiasm, uh, empathy, which I love. Um, I remember learning in graduate school about evocative empathy. Mm. And again, I was like, oh, whatever. And <laughs> now I realize that's probably the most powerful tool wow. in all of our arsenal is to evoke change through empathetic connections with mm. other people. And I think that you're doing that literally on a pretty big stage. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, you also have a podcast. If people would like to listen uh, to you more often, how do they find that? Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's, it's called Making It Happen with Henry Amar. I talk about all kinds of things. I'll dive into mental health things, you know, release a podcast on receiving and anxiety, my take on anxiety this week. But I also have random guests. I've had guests as neuroscientists to Flavor Flav, which is so funny, you know. Oh, I'm going to go listen to the Flavor Flav. It's one. funny. Yeah. He he was like super professional. And then all of a sudden we were done. I was like, hey, can you do me a, can you give me a drop for my podcast? He gave me like the best hype man drop I've ever had in my <laughs> life. Um, but, you know, I, I try to have a variety of just people to have real conversations um, but yeah, making it happen with Henry Amar. Um, and uh, yeah. How else can people, can they follow you on Instagram? Yeah, that'd be great. It's at Henry Amar, H-E-N-R-Y-A-M-M-A-R. Um, and just, yeah, I'm just grateful to be here. Thank you for what you're doing. I want to publicly say just thank you. Thank you like for doing what you're doing. And if you're listening to this, thank you for doing this. Like you listening is an act of love for yourself and an act of hope. If you, the fact that you are listening, there is hope inside of you. So number one is already taking care of what we talked about because- the action indicates that somewhere in your soul, you know, there's, there's something. 
you know, and I, I love that. So thank you for listening. Thanks for having me. Appreciate oh, it. I couldn't have said it better myself. Believing in oneself is so powerful. Yeah. Thank you, Henry. And thank you for all the work that you're doing thank you. in our community and around the world and blending. I, I, what a fun career you've created <laughs> for yourself. That's so impactful that you've been able to blend uh, what I love, mental health and behavioral science uh, with pop culture and music the other things that we all love too. So I I love that combination. Very optimistic and positive. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to do your meditation and give us some feedback on Facebook. Uh, Give Henry Amar uh, a follow on Instagram. And as always, uh, Project Recovery is a KSL podcast. of this program are for informational purposes only. The program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, licensed therapist, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program. KSL does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on the program. Reliance on any information provided on the program is solely at your own risk.